Glad you guys are here to worship with us this morning. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up a series today that we've been talking about the last three weeks, and it's called uh, Stress Busters. And we've been walking through the 23rd Psalm, which is probably one of the, the most well-known psalms that people have heard. Um, it's a lot of different occasions, weddings, funerals, and everything in between. Uh, really what it is is an allegory that describes God as a shepherd and his people, us, as sheep. And through the description of Psalm 23, we find really a lot about the relationship that God wants to have with us as we choose to follow him. Uh, the first week we looked at really God's antidote to worry, how the fact that he is our shepherd and he's in control allows us to let him be God and be in control of the things that only he's in control of and give that Give those things that worry us to him and really focus on the things in front of us. Uh, the second week we talked about how really busyness is stressful. Uh, how we have our time and all the things that we have going on. We just don't have enough time in the day and that causes a lot of stress. And what we looked at is really how God tells time and, the, and how he looks at time as opportunity from opportunity. And he gives us all the strength that we need for today. Uh, last week... Uh, we looked at, uh, what did we look at last week? Anyone remember? What's that? I can't hear you. Yeah, thanks. That wasn't planned. I really forgot. Um, <laughs> I don't want to do that when you start. But um, emotional distress, how God relieves uh, just the stress that we, that we face from our guilt, from grief, and from the grudges that we have. And we looked at the fact that God uh, restores our soul. And in that relationship, he, he can mend the cracks that we've experienced in life. Uh, today, um, we're going to spend some time uh, looking at the fact that, you know, if, if we're being described as sheep, there's a lot of times when you, if you've ever seen sheep in a field, the reason that they have a shepherd is because a sheep has no idea where they're going. If there was a cliff... A sheep just sees a road, and they'll just go right off. Uh, they, don't, they would just go in circles if they could. So there's a shepherd there. Um, and it makes you wonder how the first shepherd knew that, like, sheep needed a shepherd. You ever thought about that? How did the shepherd become a job? Well, what you think about it, probably a guy saw about 15 sheep just going right off a cliff and thought, you know, I think they need help. What's that, a stick? I'll make that a staff. And I will guide them. Um, and really, that, that's kind of what God has done with us. Uh, in the course of our lives, we face many cliffs, uh, many treacherous paths. And without the Lord God leading us, we just go right off of cliffs. And a lot of times what happens in life that causes a lot of stress is we have no idea what we're supposed to do. Remember that old computer game, Lemmings? You guys remember that? That was like before, like, video games are really cool. But these lemmings are in different tasks, and they really just go off cliffs. They go in, in these pits. They blow up, 
And your job is to save as many lemmings as you can. If you save lemmings, uh, these little creatures, you, you can go on to the next level. And so you've got your mouse, and you're clicking on every single lemming you can. Parachute, parachute, parachute. And they're floating across. And, you know, you, you think, like, I've saved them. I saved them. And there, there's this gratification that comes. Well, a lot of times we're like sheep or we're like lemmings where we, we go off and hope that someone's clicking on the mouse giving us a parachute. Uh, and what we find is in a relationship with God, um, he, he sees everything. He sees everything that's happening. And what God wants to do with, with us and his people, he wants to save us from the pitfalls. And he really wants us to not be confused, spinning around, trying to figure out what we're supposed to do with our life. And that's really the picture that we get in the 23rd Psalm. Um, we, we looked at the first part of Psalm 23, which last week was, he restores my soul. The second part of Psalm 23, you've seen your listening guide on the screens, is he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd, our God, guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Basically, what that means is he guides us on the right path. And life sometimes seems like you see many paths. And you wonder, what am I supposed to do in this situation? How am I supposed to do it? What are the resources I need to, to make this decision? And when you look at these paths and all the different ways that you can make a decision, it, it provides a lot of stress. I mean, we get stressed out sometimes what we're going to eat in the morning. Toast or cereal? I don't know what to do. And then we, we get in relationships with people and we get into ideas about what we should do with our future and the stress builds. What God wants to do is, is actually provide some clarity on, on which path we should choose in a given situation. Um, so we're going to look at how God guides us. If he guides us on the right path, what is the process that happens for us to make a clear decision, for us to make wise decisions, for us to, to move from spinning around wondering where we're supposed to go to actually choosing a direction that not only blesses us in life, but really pleases God. Because that's the ultimate goal of a sheep, is to go where the shepherd wants you to go. And that's really the same with God. We want to please him by going where he wants us to go. Um, so let's look at the building block, the building blocks of God's guidance. You'll see on the screen a, a picture. And this right here is the building blocks of how God leads. When we face a decision... And we're confused about what we should do. This is really the backdrop of how God has set things up. This is part of how he guides. Um, the bottom row is really the foundation. And we're going to just go over that briefly. These building blocks, this could be a whole message series. Uh, as we, you know, you, you find each of these blocks has so many principles and things to learn from. But we're going to just go over this briefly. Uh, the bottom row is really um, the foundation for making wise decisions. Uh, if you're a follower of Christ, God has given us certain parameters. Uh, the first is faith. And one of the ways that God removes the stress of decisions is by faith. Um, we can never remove faith from the decision-making process. Uh, the faith is knowing that God is in control, uh, knowing that he's not going to turn his back as I'm Deciding where to go. He's right there uh, with me. Uh, obedience. Anytime you make a decision, there is 
guardrails that are in place um, that God has put there. And these guardrails are, okay, in this decision, what, what's right? What's wrong? Um, are there anything here that, that I should really avoid? Uh, as you're driving, you know, there's always street signs that warn, warn you. If there's a, a sharp turn, the sign is there to say, you know, slow down. There's a sharp turn coming ahead. Well, in Scripture, as you dig in, you find that the Scriptures speak specifically to different things. And these things that they speak, speak specifically, how we should talk to one another, how we should use our speech, um, how we should work, what kind of worker should we be as we're employed, what kind of bosses should we be as we have authority over people. You find specifically these boundaries are there. And so part of the backdrop of decisions are you, you want to make sure you're, you're walking by faith, knowing that, that God's in control, he sees everything that's going on, and then you also want to walk in obedience. Know that if my decision is causing me to go out of bounds in any way, it's not the right decision. So what's God done on this bottom foundation is he's kind of placed some just signs that say, you know, stay on this track. Um, and the other thing is, is personal integrity. And the way God works is, as he's asked us to walk by faith and trust him, and as he's told us to obey the guardrails, in a given situation we're supposed to have integrity, which is we don't forget God. We don't forget that those guardrails exist. Uh, basically, it's, you know, we have a, usually a, a general knowledge of, you know, I probably shouldn't do that, that's not right. Personal integrity comes in a specific situation when you say, Okay, God, I know that you're there watching me, and I know you put this guardrail there, so I'm not going to do this, or I am going to do this. And what you're seeing is the, the boundaries that he's placed, the fact that he is watching everything, you choose in a given situation to do, do the right thing. Uh, a few years ago, part of how this bottom foundation looked in my own life was when um, Sam was pregnant, we were both teaching at the same school, and we, we knew that, that Sam was going to be, we were planning on Sam staying home and not returning to work. And one of the things that we, we faced with the decision was, do we let our boss know that Sam's not planning on coming back, um, or do we let her know? Because we were thinking, well, what if, because um, she was only going to be out of work part of the year, and we were thinking, well, what if? She doesn't hire Sam back because she knows she's going to be leaving and all sorts of situations. And in the given situation, what we realized was what was right based on faith, knowing God's going to take care of us, because we're looking at a lot of money. Uh, we also knew there was boundaries as, as far as, you know, you want to be honest with people and upfront about your intentions. Um, and so in the given situation, when it was time to kind of talk about what our plans were, we knew that we couldn't hide the fact that. Sam wasn't thinking about coming back. So we had a meeting with the principal, and I was, I was nervous because really this, the principal of our school had a lot of pull on what our lives were going to look like. Um, I think when I worked it out, it was about $12,000 that we would have lost or gained based on her decision. So we, we had a meeting with her, and we explained that you know one of our goals is for Sam to, to stay at home and really be a full-time mom and just wanted you to know so you can plan for next year knowing that Sam's not going to be back. And 
We just wanted you to know so you can make the right decision. And I think it was like a three-second pause before the principal spoke, but it was kind of like the crickets were everywhere in the room. And it's just like, say something, please, just say something. And what she did is she said, well, I am so happy for you guys, and I really want to hire Sam back because she's a great teacher. And if you, you know, want to take a leave of absence after that, you need to do what's best for your family. And in that instance, I experienced what this was, that, that bottom row. It was knowing that God's in control, but at the same time, you've got to do the right thing. And as we did the right thing and was upfront and honest, God blessed. And that $12,000, you know, we were able to, to have. And as I've made decisions based on that, I know if you choose to do the right thing based on the guardrails and knowing that God is watching and in control, he really does take care of you. We're going to spend the rest of the time looking at uh, the next three. Wise counsel, clear thinking, and prayer and uh, prompting. Uh, clear thinking. This is that, that thing, decision, where you're just like, what should I do? I have no idea. And it, it's kind of like the people who developed that magic eight ball where you flip it over. They were trying to just cut right to the clear thinking. You say you want to do something, you flip that over and... Try again. What? You're, you guys have done that? I don't recommend it. But um, people that develop these kind of things realize that we are confused people. A lot of times we, we spin our wheels trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. Well, Scripture has really given us some guidance. Uh, Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Basically, what this proverb is saying is you need to slow down and think before you do anything. Doesn't that not seem like that's up with the times? I mean, we have technology now. Shouldn't we be able to text somebody? What should I do? And in five seconds, they text us back. You guys know they have those textings. Now, you have a question about something, you can text the number and they give you the answer. Standard you know, messaging rates apply. Okay? But it's true. Um, but here scripture is actually saying that something counterintuitive actually slow down and think, Oh, so I'm supposed to like, think about the decision. Proverbs 14, five, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Proverbs 19, two. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. This is like one of those things where you've heard about the coolest thing that you need to do, and you are so excited. Uh, it's kind of like when you get one of those internet things that's like a, it's, it's not true, but you get it and it's like, you need to do this, send it to 15 people, and you'll get $10 million. I'm going to send it to 30. And you're, you know, you're just pumped, and, and you realize when somebody emails you like, oh, that. That's been a falsehood since 1974. Oh. And then you kind of feel silly. Well, that, that's what it is in our decisions. We, we get really excited about what could be or what we want, that we just jump in and do it. And then sometimes we realize, wow, I really made a bad decision. And so we need to take some clear steps um, how to get the facts. When you have a decision to make, Part of the way you, you have clear thinking is you've got to get the facts. Here's a few steps that you can take um, to get the facts 
And to really slow down and think, when the Proverbs are talking about not acting quickly and taking the time, here's some of the things that you can do. Uh, first thing is, uh, spell out the exact decision in writing. That just helps clearly know what, what it is you need to do. Uh, list your options. Work toward four options. We have a decision, a lot of times, we may only see one option, and that's the option that we want. Work towards adding three more that possibly could be options as well. Um, third, write out the cost of each option. The cost being, if I do this, how will this affect my relationship to God, my family, my ministry, my work, my finances? You've got to think through the cost of each one of these, these spheres that we experience in life. Uh, four, outline the pros and cons. If you want to really have clear thinking in decisions, you have to have a neutral heart. And you have to ask God for a neutral heart. What happens is we have something that we really want. And a lot of times in our mind, we've already made the decision. In our hearts, we kind of already decided the problem with that is when you make that outlines of pros and cons. You know, you do a little T or you do a scale, you have 17 pros and you have no cons because you've already decided what you want. When you go in and ask God for a neutral heart saying, you know, God, I'm not sure what I need to do. I know what I want. But give me a neutral heart so I can really make a wise decision. What you find is when you do that, you give God the opportunity and others through input in your life to actually maybe show you some cons that you didn't see. So you want to outline pros and cons. Um, you want to search scripture for principles that apply. This is getting back to the guardrails. Is there certain things that the Bible says about how we should handle ourselves in this situation, in this decision that we're up against? And then uh, seek Wise counsel. We're going to talk about that later. So when you're faced with a decision, you ask God for a neutral heart, and then you work on getting the facts. Basically what it is is you, you kind of have to remove the tunnel vision that you may have to get what you want and ask God to see the big picture of how this could affect everything around you. Um, wise counsel. This is another way that God uh, uses people to guide us. Um, and these things all go hand in hand. The, the building blocks is, is not some magic formula, but it really is the process through which God guides us. And so a lot of times as we're getting clear thinking, God uses people to, to shape our thinking as well. Uh, Proverbs 11:14 says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. This idea of victory in the original language has actually part of connotation of safety. So in a decision, when you consult numerous wise people, they are actually providing safety for your life. They're putting a net under you, basically, to protect you from what you may not see. Um, the idea of many advisors, but many advisors make victory sure. Uh, it's interesting, in, when I was researching this, this scripture, the many advisors, one guy said, good advisors. 
many good advisors. What happens is a lot of times we have a decision that we want to make, and we maybe have an inclination of what we want to do, and we just, we just want to pull people off the street. What do you think I should do? Okay, cool. What do you think I should do? Okay. Here it's saying, you know, you actually have to have clear thinking about who you're asking as well. You want to ask people who are wise. That's what makes it wise counsel. Is you have to take the time and ask people. Is there anyone that's, that's faced this decision? Ask people that have gone through it and made the right choice. You can learn, learn from them. Uh, what kind of advisors should I seek? Uh, we're going to go through that a little bit. First is, you want to seek your parents. Depending on the relationship with your parents, this may be really good or really bad. But the thing about parents is they know you better than you think. They really do. And when you seek counsel from them, and as you ask otherwise people, they, they can be a help. Uh, Proverbs 6, 20 through 23 says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. You find this true when you get around kids or when you have your own kids. And you start saying stuff and you you stop in your tracks and say, my mom said the same thing to me. And you'd never say that. Until you start saying it to your kids. And you have this epiphany like, wow, my parents knew what they were talking about. But at the time, you think they have no idea what it's like. And then you tell a little kid something and you're like, oh my gosh, they were smarter than I thought. And it's true. They have experience. They have rubbed shoulders with you since the day you were born. And so they can help you. Uh, you also want to seek counsel from the teachable. Proverbs 10:17 He who heeds discipline shows the way to life but whoever ignores correction leads others astray This proverb is very powerful it's basically saying you seek someone who learns from others and you'll have success in your decision you seek someone who rejects what people say they will lead you astray You know that you ever gotten advice from somebody uh, that had something to gain or lose by the decision you make, you can be really led astray by that. Sometimes I, I laugh because I've been in situations like with salesmen and they're selling me something and I ask them, what do you think? That's not a smart question to a salesman who's selling me something. What he thinks is irrelevant. What he gets out of what I do, that's what matters to him. So here you want to seek counsel from somebody who actually can learn and doesn't have something to gain or lose. Uh, you also want to seek counsel from the wise. Proverbs 15:12. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. What the scripture is saying is wise people have the ability to see the flaws in your thinking. And isn't this one of the reasons that sometimes it's so hard to ask wise people? Because we don't want to know the flaws in our thinking. What the scripture is saying is, 
that the mocker, the person who just wants to do what he wants to do, has no regard for wisdom. They won't even ask somebody. And the result is they won't consult the wise. Uh, you also want to seek counsel from true friends. Uh, true friends, they, they, they tell us the truth even when they know it might hurt us. And basically this is, have you ever had a friend that you've asked something? You know, you, you're in a, a situation and you have a decision to make. And you go to a friend and they say something and it stings because what they've done is they've shown you maybe a flaw in your thinking or they've shown maybe a pattern that you've had that's led you to struggling with a certain decision. And what tends to happen is a lot of times our initial reaction is, oh, I thought you were my friend. Don't you want what I want? And then later, after the sting's worn off, you, you realize that that person has loved you. And you have a deeper relationship with that person because you know that, wow, they could have said the easy thing, chose to say the hard thing, and they actually blessed me because of it. Um, Proverbs 27.6 describes this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. See, the opposite. The enemy just wants to make you feel good to set you up. But it, a friend will wound you to actually help you. Um, you want to avoid three different people when you seek counsel, when you have a decision. Uh, the first is flatterers. Uh, whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a, a net for his feet. Uh, flatterers give a distorted picture. Um, and that's why sometimes parents aren't the only person that we should seek for counsel. Because a lot of times your parents, they just love you so much. They want you to, they want you to do, will make you happy. And that's why there's a lot of other people that we need to seek as well. The, the issue with flatterers is they give a distorted picture. They, yeah, that's, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. Go ahead, do it. And then when the bottom falls out, oh, sorry. So you want to you be careful of people that think your ideas are the best thing since sliced bread, even though we want to talk to those people a lot. Uh, we also want to avoid sluggers. Uh, this person is the lazy person. Uh, Proverbs 22:13. the sluggard says, there is a lion outside or I'll be murdered in the streets. This is kind of one of those v- random verses. You know, you're like, all right, Proverbs 22:14. what does that say? Uh, but what this is saying is, is that the sluggard had something that they needed to do, like they needed to work. But, oh, there's a lion. I, I can't go to work. That'd be even funnier today, you know. I can't leave. There is a lion outside from the zoo. It escaped. Um, Basically, they found an excuse. What what this counselor does is is they're thinking not about what is wise, but what what's the easiest. Because their 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 frame is I do whatever is easy in life. You seek the lazy person. Their advice is going to be the path of least resistance. That's not always a wise decision. That's the easy decision. So you want to be careful. Uh, you also want to uh, avoid rebels. There's real trouble here if you seek counsel from people who are rebellious people. These are the kind of people that can't be under authority. 
They do what they want to do no matter what. Uh, Proverbs 10:17. He who heeds discipline shows the way to life. Again, he who is teachable. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. We read that. It's the idea of you follow a rebel. You seek counsel from a rebel. They will lead you off the path that God wants you on. So you want to be real careful there. The, the upper uh, block is more subjective, but, but God still guides us in this way, and that's through prayer and promptings. And this is kind of that, that sense you have about something, that feeling you have. Well, you see it's at the top because you have to use faith, obedience, personal integrity, clear thinking, and wise counsel. You have to use all of those five to sometimes make sense out of things you're praying about and maybe some of a sense that you have or a feeling about something. What we tend to do is we want to turn the building blocks upside down. And the first thing we want to do is, I feel like I should do this. And we kind of remove everything else. We have a sense, we have a feeling, and we, we make major decisions from that. And we have to be really careful. Uh, James 1 uh, describes asking God for wisdom. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. This is a great passage on sometimes what it is like in the decision. We are like a little kid in the waves being tossed around, not sure how we're going to get a breath. In this situation, the writer of James is telling us, you need to ask God for wisdom. So the first thing you need to do is you pray for wisdom in a decision. God will give you the sense of what is right and what is wise. Uh, the other thing is, is you want to learn to evaluate promptings. Promptings are the thought and feeling of how you should do certain things or the decision that you need to make. Now, the issue with promptings is we can get promptings from, from God, from the enemy, and maybe just from our own desires, really what we want. And so we have to ask God for wisdom so we're able to sort, is this, is this God that's putting this sense in me? Is this, is this God that, that's kind of giving me this sense that I should go over here or is, is this just what I want? Or is this, is this the enemy trying to confuse me or, or drive fear into me? You want to take the time to sort through that after you've built it on the other foundations that we've, we've talked about. Um, one of, one of the things that we faced, and I, I think we've, we've reaped some of the, the benefit, was about four years ago, we were, you know, we were excited about, about getting a house. And this is when everyone was getting houses and there was those, those loans where you could get in and get a house in California. And Southern California was like, who gets a house? Wow, we could get a house. And we were excited and we went and talked to uh, a loan guy, and he was offering us kind of this this loan where you pay all the interest, and then for two years, and then after that, you get an adjustable. And it was kind of a a crazy loan that seemed like a stretch at the time, and I wasn't quite sure if we should do it. And so 
I, I asked for counsel from a couple wise men. And uh, as I explained what we were thinking about, they, they, they saw the flaws in, in this loan, that this would, be, this would be a problem. This would be a problem for us. And so I, you know, I heard that, and I was like, you know, that was kind of the, that was my sense. It seemed like this would be a little too much for us. You know, I knew that we were planning on having a family. We'd only have one income. If we have this huge loan, what are we supposed to do? And I just was seeing kind of the holes in the thinking of, of moving ahead on this. And one of the things that I think God did that falls in this prayer and prompting is we met with this loan guy, and we sought counsel, and it was kind of looking towards this wasn't right. And I was sitting right after we talked to this loan guy, and on the TV, a UCLA study came out on the news. And it was, the housing market will crash in 20, or 2009. And it was funny, I mean, we had just got done, and I'm eating, and I'm looking at the TV. Housing market will crash. Son, what do you think about this idea of buying a house right now? And it was like God used that in the combination of the council and the sense that I had and some scriptures that he laid on my heart. And we decided not to make that decision. And I look back and that would have really crippled us if we would have moved ahead. It would have crippled us. And instead, we, we waited. And then God has blessed us with a house. And you see, that's, that's what happens. You're facing a decision. You're not sure what to do. You ask God for wisdom. You bring otherwise people in on the decision. And you really listen to God. He shows you from that you are protected from many snares, a lot of disappointment. And the, you know, he, he really gives us exactly what you want, even though at the time you, you see something that you really want just passing by. And that's what the shepherd does. He leads you to this better place. You know, we talked earlier about the green pastures, the quiet waters. Decision-making is the same thing, man. We have seen, you know, the grass is greener. We see the grass that we want. But what God does a lot of times is we don't see that that grass is about to die. And as we dig into his word and as we get input from others, as we really listen to him, he leads us. He removes the stress that we have from just sometimes not having any idea of what I should do. So I encourage you, look at those, uh, those building blocks this week. And it might be a good exercise. What are, what are the things that, that you skip as you make decisions? Is there one of those blocks that you kind of don't look at? Whether it's you, you sometimes struggle with, with having faith that God's really in control. Maybe you don't take the time to think clearly. Or you don't ask for wise counsel. So I encourage you, maybe circle one of those blocks and ask God to help you in that. Uh, some other next steps that you can take is um, memorize James 1.5. Uh, you can ask God for wisdom with a specific decision. Is there something you're facing right now that you just need to stop and ask God for wisdom before you make that decision? Uh, third, uh, I will seek wise counsel this week in a decision that you're making. Do you need to bring someone in on that decision? Somebody wise that will help you. I encourage you to write that person's name down. Then fourth, I will choose patience as I wait for direction from God. And this is a tough one. This is, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what to do yet. I'm just going to wait. So that may be where you're at right now.
Uh, let, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for how clearly you, you lead us. And a lot of times we, we want the easy way. We want a, a clear sign. But you really have given us people that will help us, your scripture that guides us. And you have given us the ability to make wise decisions. Show us the flaws in our thinking and our decision-making processes where we just shortcut what you're trying to do in our hearts and give us patience as we trust you. And God, I just pray for anyone in here that, that is just really confused about their life, their future, their direction. And God, I, I ask that you'll bring clarity to them this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.